Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Legal Tech Week. It's uh, Friday, January 19th, 2024. And this is the show where we talk about the top stories in legal tech and innovation from the past week. My name is Bob Ambrogi. I write a blog called Law Sites and have a podcast called Law Next. And our other panelists this week, as you see arrayed before you here, uh, <laughs> I'll have them all introduce each other. Uh, Steve, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Hey, I'm you Steve. each other. Is that what I said? You yeah, introduced you, you somebody. That would be fun. So, you introduced somebody. Who am I going to introduce? Take your pick. <laughs> you can I do yourself stick, this week. Well, I better stick with myself so I don't screw something up. Uh, Steve Embry, I write the blog Tech Law Crossroads about legal innovation and legal technology. And I am in Louisville where we have about four inches of snow on the ground, which was a bit of a surprise. All right. And uh, Victor. Hi, everyone. Victor Lee, Assistant Managing Editor for the ABA Journal. Um, we have a couple inches of snow on the ground, but it's much better than earlier in the week when it was like minus seven. Um, uh, and that was just the temperature with, with, with like wind chill. It was like minus 20. Um, so yeah, that was that was fun. All right, Joe. I'm uh, Joe Patrice from Above the Law and Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. I'm looking out. I, I think I got about two inches of snow coming uh so not bad but you know obviously still a still a challenge yeah and gene uh i'm gene o'grady i write the dewey b strategic blog and a monthly column for legal tech hub and i'm in virginia and we have gotten i three to four inches of snow and it hasn't stopped falling yet all right. And, and I have last... envy of Stephanie's background. I want her you know to what? share That's that awesome. background. <laughs> I can. It's just a photo. I can send it to you. It's since great. you asked so nicely. <laughs> Only you, though. <laughs> uh, I thought that was your apartment wallpaper. Or something. No, I mean, not yet. Not Maybe answer. one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, Stephanie, why don't you? Oh, yes. I, I guess I didn't introduce myself. I'm Stephanie Wilkins, editor-in-chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. And yeah, since we're all talking about snow, we're actually getting some in the city and it's it's sticking for once. Not a ton, but it's actually sticking here for once. All right, so, the you know, we had this. Uh, that wasn't clear. Sorry, everyone. City being New York. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have this uh, like spreadsheet that we all use to kind of put stories we're going to talk about uh, every week for this show. And uh, people pick stories of their own or, or others that they read. And Little, a lot of white space on the story, this <laughs> on the story log this week, uh, or people saying I don't really have that much to talk about, and I and I think it's got to at least partly be due to I mean there were stories this week, but you know nothing sort of earth shattering I think, but it definitely got to be a little bit of the calm before the storm of legal week uh, as everybody gears up for legal week and and we are all getting deluged with. <laughs> Uh, emails uh, asking us to uh, meet with everybody and anybody and uh, get briefings on this and that. Uh, and uh, although Steve said we haven't, there hasn't. I don't know. The party invites are a little a little uh, lacking so far this year. Um, maybe I'm missing something there. But uh, in my case, maybe I'm just not getting invited. <laughs> yeah. Well. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and, nor am I. Um, well, I, I, I can share those when I share my background with Dean. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right. But uh, uh, I don't. I know Steve, Stephanie, Joe. I know you're all going. Gene, are you going to Legal Week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're going. And Victor, do you go, or do you send somebody? Or 
sometimes we send people, but we're not actually. I mean, no, we have a we have a personnel issue this year, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, it's a good place to uh, advertise any job openings that you have right here. Um, we uh, well, so I mean, I guess I just kind of wondered what 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 people are th thinking, expecting to see as we kind of gear up for. For next week, I'm, I've got like an abbreviated time there. I'm, I have to leave Tuesday night, and I'm, I'm, I've been like holding off on scheduling a whole lot of stuff because I'm kind of trying to figure out how I cram a whole lot of meetings into a very, very little amount of space uh, before I have to take off. But uh, what, what's everybody thinking? I mean, Stephanie, you've been. Uh, I, I know you you wanted to get away from this for an hour by joining us today, and instead I'm going to make you talk about it. But I mean, what what are you looking forward to? What's 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 the top of your mind when you're thinking about it? This, this is good. I can, I can try to not rant about the things. <laughs> the internal storm has already started. I, um, we can vent. You can vent. Um, you can just kind of yes. let it out. Um, no, there's just so much going on, so many moving pieces. And I mean, I'm, yeah, we're getting tons of requests, obviously. Thankfully, we have a four-person team. But like, I'm actually slotted to speak more than usual this year. So I'm trying to take fewer of the meetings that were being offered because I just literally, there are only so many places I can be at the same time. Um yeah, I feel like there are announcements coming in, but not a ton that are, like you said, earth shattering. And I'm just hoping that people aren't sitting on really, really big news and decide to tell us like next Thursday that it goes live Monday or next Friday that it goes live Monday. Um, you know, that. you know, that always inevitably happens. Yeah. And yeah, some fun panels, some good. I mean, it's working a lot of it out i guess i'm just going to be used i'm a public speaker now i did not realize that was really the case but <laughs> you didn't sign up for that when you took the job no but there are, we are for anyone who will be around on thursday i know it's the last day of the conference but then my if i could pick favorites my favorite panel that i'm going to be on is basically the one that is it's not a tech problem it's a you problem and it's an ethics credit about lawyer technology and competence and we're trying to figure out how to make it actually like fun there might be some like gamification involved but that's a nice way to end it that would be my plug of the many things i'm doing that week <laughs> that sounds good that sounds like a good one so i'm gonna miss it yeah. what about some of the others who are who are going I, I mean any thoughts on kind of what you're going to be looking for what you're what you're interested in what you think is going to be good or bad well i i mean i'd like to hear use cases and i think the last post uh, generative AI conference I went to was almost entirely aspirational. We hope we'll be able to do something. And I am hoping that something there's more substance and that people will be able to talk about things they've actually implemented because uh, everybody wants something big to happen and everybody wants to be transformative, but how far people have actually gotten in terms of implementing things. And, and it was interesting because you know, the story I highlighted this week is about the varieties of uh, LLM models, which brought me, and when I finished thinking about it, it was like, how are law firms who everyone wants to be the most innovative, but how are we going to compete for the talent? And do we really want to be, it's the whole, at once again, bespoke versus off the rack. And where are we going to end up with, with uh, large language models? And how much are we going to build? And how much are we going to buy? And what's worth buying right now? So I think that that's going to be the big topic. You know, one of the things that occurred to me is, as you were talking, Gene, and I, I noticed this um, last week. It, 
it seems like that a lot of the a lot of the providers and vendors have sort of run off with generative AI products and sort of forgot there's other problems that are out there that could be solved. They may not be as you know as as uh, uh, publicity worthy as as the generative AI stuff. But to the people that have the problems, if they could come up with some just practical solutions, that might be kind of Cool and refreshing. <laughs> well, I, I think it's also like the the whole problem of the hype hype cycle. People's expectations yeah. have been ratcheted so high, and like somebody just posted, it takes time to develop, and this is really complex stuff. And there are some really serious ethical and other issues associated with large language models. So. I think maybe it's just unrealistic and maybe I'm unrealistic to think that we're going to have some um, dramatic transformative implementations, you know, this quickly. Yeah. I mean, we've got, I've just got, oh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was just going to say, and I, I actually am kind of interested in uh, piggybacking off of that. Even if there is a plan for something revolutionary, how many, the thing that I'm going to tick in my head is how many of these presentations we're going to see there will allow us to actually play with the thing versus have pre-recorded demos showing how great it, it probably could be, but you know, we can't actually see how it works. Yeah. And, uh, and yes, and John Tredenic points out in the chat, some products actually are a lot alive and working, uh, in, including Merlin, I guess. Uh, but yeah, and sometimes, sometimes the conversation of these guys is just like, Boy, this is really cool. Look at this generative AI tool, and it's really cool. But they don't like. What does the product do? <laughs> like, you know, let's well, just stop and say, okay, forget about this product that we're using generative AI to do this. But this is what it can do for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. This this is part part of the reason I've been. Again, I'm leaving. I'm leaving after only one day, so I don't have a lot of time for meetings. But I'm trying to be more selective. But as I go through the meeting requests, I get so many of the meeting requests are. You know, they're not even talking about a product. It's it's the old, you know, let's get together at Legal Week and 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 talk because uh, we haven't talked since the last conference we were all at, and and there's no real agenda, there's no real product to talk about, and it is surprising how many releases we continue to get from vendors that keep talking about. Here's what we're as you were just saying, Gene. Here's what we're going to be doing down the road. Here's here's our strategy around AI. Here's our thinking around AI. You know, we think it's important and we need to do something. You know, thank you. Uh, I, I just don't need to waste my time sitting with you for an hour at Legal Week hearing about what you're not doing. I'm personally curious to see, like, to walk through the vendor halls and see if there's like if it's all the same names. I mean, I have these lists internally. I'm figuring it out, but like. Who is new? Is there is a whole bunch of new brand new startups? Um, I'm actually working on because I don't know if they usually publicize that. But thanks to AI, I got last year's list and this year's list and compared them, and it spit out a list of who is new. But it needs some refining because, like, if something was like like last year it just said Stephanie and this year it says Stephanie Inc. counts it as like two different things, so it's got to be a little parsing of it, but. I definitely think that's worth doing. I used to try and do that for AALL and it was really helpful because a lot of small companies go, nobody knows who they are and they do need highlighting. And I think that's a great thing to do. 
well, you're the reason I did it, Jean, because you asked me for that information last year. And I was like, we don't have it. Oh, so I made a point of doing it this year, year and you didn't send it to me. <laughs> I literally did this last night and I haven't refined the list yet. Like last night I was watching TV and That's random. That's okay. I'm and, joking. But no, I'll send it to you in my background. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were the you were the inspiration for that, Gene. Yeah. Yeah. You remember when it was I think it was Yopes Elsher used to do the uh, word cloud for all the conferences. Oh yeah. Uh, from year to year, uh, which would basically just take the agenda and and feed it into one of those word cloud generators, and it kind of. But it was always interesting because it would it would kind of give you a picture of what were the, the dominant themes at the conference, and you know, for the longest time, it was just like e discovery, and then right. everything else. Uh, and uh, this year, we all know what it would be in, in big letters. But there's still it, those it, like it, illustrators it, that they that they that they have like people that are like there to draw like while. While while the seminar is going on, and then they post it Didn't Doug Austin do that most recently? That's the what I was going to say too. Yeah, kind of think he did one a little bit. Oh yeah, Doug. That's right, Doug did it. The illustrator ones. They had one at the. Uh, they had somebody doing that at that TLTF summit thing down in in Florida. Oh, uh, the 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 illustration ones. Live? Illustrate the presentation. Oh, so yeah. They draw whatever's yeah. Yeah, we, we like, like, like for a while I saw them everywhere. Like they were at Tech Show, they were at Google yeah. Week, they were at Clio, they were at Avo, everywhere. And then and then I haven't seen them much recently. So that's why I was just kind of wondering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, any other thoughts on uh, on Legal Week? I, I mean, one of the Steve, Steve, one of the the topic uh, you you raised to talk about is, is is maybe kind kind of related to this because it's 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 the issue of uh, when when does uh, something uh, how how do you know when a when a something a new product coming out whether in a legal tech space or or elsewhere is is going to succeed or be a flop and it was something I was kind of thinking about myself this week uh, relative to a, a podcast I did it, the the podcast wasn't. Uh, really a, a particular hook for a story, but it happened to be that the the founder of this law practice management company called Zencase was, you know, again, one of these lawyers who looked for something in his practice, couldn't find it, decided he was just going to go out and build it himself, used it in his firm, built it up over a couple of years, then put it out there. Uh, and that kind of got me thinking about what makes legal tech products more or less successful, which is kind of what you wrote about, Steve. So do you want to talk a little bit about your thoughts on that? Or... Muted. Do you want to share them with us, Steve? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I plugged in the wrong input. <laughs> a background of this was I bumped into this booth uh, in Las Vegas, and it was called the Gallery of Flops, which was a pretty clever marketing ploy by this company that that provides marketing consulting services um, uh, to, to startups and others. Um, <clears throat> but I talked to the, the founder of it who was at the booth quite a bit and it's um, you know a lot of principles that, that they've identified that are that are applicable to the legal tech market. but it all kind of basically boiled down to people not understanding their customer, the customer in the sense of, who is actually going to be using the product, not the IT department of a law firm or, you know, the marketing department, but, but the actual working lawyers. So that's one issue is, are you, are you talking to the right people when you're doing surveys and 
doing pre-launch inflammation. Um, and then the other piece of that is in knowing and understanding customer, which gets to, to your point, Bob, is <clears throat> understanding what the real pain points are. Um, one of the one of the uh, uh, common threads with the gallery of flops is companies that produced a product that didn't solve any problem that anybody was having. And the thing that I'm thinking about is the is the Twitter phone that that Twitter came out with, where you <laughs> only thing it did was enable you to tweet. Like, but like, like we could do that with these, right? <laughs> so it didn't really help anybody. And I, think I thought the Harley that. Davidson perfume was one. Yeah, of was, <laughs> I mean, it that was a good one. Yeah, you smell I like mean, a motorcycle. I mean, is that what it is? Like, what? What is that? What is that? <laughs> well, there was like, smell like motor oil. <laughs> there was in New York, in Brooklyn recently, I don't know if I traveled around, they had the Museum of Failure that I went to, and a lot of it was electronics, not all of it, but it was all of these yeah. products that, too, that were either like, this doesn't do anything, or who even would have ever wanted this? There was like, right. like Colgate got into like frozen dinners, but it was like the toothpaste branded, everyone was like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, but the Harley-Davidson cologne, I mean, that's, <laughs> nothing nowhere needs to be said about that one, yeah. but... <laughs> But to get to the point, I mean, I think we've all seen in the, in the legal tech space where people come out with products that, that they they don't understand what it is lawyers do enough to create a product that helps them or, or legal professionals for that matter. And they don't, you know, a lot of times and we used to see this a lot. We maybe see it a little less now that they didn't they don't understand the, the business model of their customers. They don't understand the like we lawyers bill by the hour right so every minute you have to spend learning how to use a piece of technology is money out of your pocket right i mean you know you could be doing billable stuff and then you could go get your billable hour quoted done and then you could go home um so you know they came out with a lot of complicated products i used to walk through the exhibit halls and see all this stuff where you have to click here and click there and click there and click here and click there and now you have to answer like we're not going to do that shit. You know, it's too complicated. We have to be easy because that's the way we function. Um, and then, you know, to, to your point, Bob, I mean, that, um, you know, a lot of uh, even the companies that come, come out that are founded by lawyers, particularly young lawyers, they don't, they don't quite grasp. Okay. How do you sell a product to a law firm? Um, because they've never been in a, you know, the upper echelons of management to understand how those decisions are made. And so they get bogged down with no answers. W one of the points that the founder of this pre-launch company made was, you know, you, you have to talk to the right people within the company and base your launch decisions or development decisions on what, what they tell you, not what, um, what, somebody that's not making the decision and not using the product will tell you. And the other point that I came to is since it's kind of a catch 22, as I was thinking about it is, you know, we, a lot of these tech companies will come out with a prototype and then they'll, they have this group of people that group of lawyers that they give it to that put it tested and make comments and all of that, which is all well and good, but like the people that will really ultimately use the product are, you know, mainly busy lawyers. And if they're busy lawyers, they don't have time to do these little surveys to <laughs> come up with the answers. So, so the whole thing is kind of, is kind of skewed, but uh, so yeah, it was an interesting, it was interesting talking to this guy. He's got some real 
in different theories about how you do product surveys. You don't, you don't pay people to do the surveys. You ask them to invest a small amount in the product in exchange for uh, getting a discount on the ultimate product if it comes out, which is a, kind of an interesting approach, I thought. But uh, a lot of lessons there for, for legal tech, I think. Yeah, that was an interesting approach. I was I was couldn't make up my own mind about whether people would actually do that. I assume they have people doing that, yeah. actually paying and it, in, yeah. and in it, order it, for when the he first told to me I, when he first described it, I thought that doesn't make any. Then he showed me how it works, and I, he showed me a um, uh, like a like a, a, a scooter, like a, a scooter you would ride, motorized scooter that that a company was coming out with, and, and so your option was you could you could contribute a hundred dollars, and in return, if the product came out, you would get a two hundred dollar discount. Um, and so, in exchange for doing you know providing this, this commentary, and it was pretty instructive when you looked at the comments because they would suggest. You know the color is wrong, or the pedal needs to be here, or the kickstand needs to be there, and a lot of those changes were actually incorporated in the product that made it a more sellable product. And um, so it was actually, I think, it's you know, pretty neat demonstration. I, I I don't know about it either, but it was a unique approach. We'll say that. Yeah. Well, you I mean, know, the one thing so... I would go ahead, Jean. I, I was just gonna say the one thing I would say in the legal market is that. I feel like people develop products without knowing what the what's already on the market. And that's really problematic because if you come in and you're a tiny person, right. you know, a small company, and you've got a product that is largely overlapping, that's something that's already installed, you don't want to be going to that you know, the largest law firms may not be a right market, but small law firms and solos, that might be the right place to focus. And I feel like a number of different things go sideways where they're focusing on the wrong niche in the market and they also right. don't know what else is out there. And I am always shocked at how little people who are pitching products to me don't understand their, their competitors. Right. Well, they, and they don't understand that, that the legal market is really segmented, right? I mean, right. You know, Amlaw 100 needs are completely different than uh, Amlaw 300 or, solo or a plaintiff's law. Yeah. Right. I mean, because you're talking about apples and oranges and you try right. to adopt something to cross the board. It gets, it's, it's really hard. But so that's where, the, that's where my mind, that's where I debated in my own mind, whether products that are first, uh, uh, ideated, if that's the word, uh, by lawyers, uh, are more likely to succeed or or not, whether that really makes any difference. And I, I realize the answer is a lawyer's answer of it. It depends on a lot of factors. But if so many stories, you know, over the years that I've been writing about tech, uh, so many times that I've talked to somebody who, you know, that's their story. They were a lawyer, they were in practice, they looked for something to solve some pain point they had in their practice, couldn't find it. Or if they did find it, they didn't think it did a very good job of it. And so they went out and started their own company. Uh, and, you know, in, in, obviously, in some cases, those have been uh, those have been successful. Uh, and in other cases, I think they haven't been. And I think when, when they haven't been, it's generally more because their need wasn't really a market need, you know, that they might have had some very specific need in their practice, but there wasn't really something that was going to be broadly adopted or, or that they just didn't know how to execute on what it was they wanted right. to build. And, but, yeah. you know, in some cases, oh, sorry, you go ahead, Stephanie. No, go ahead, Jean. 
No, I was just going to say, I mean, there, but there have been spectacular successes, you know, like, and case text most, you know, I think dramatically invented entirely new classes of research activity, like site checking. I mean, all the big providers had the, they had the means, they had the data, and they never saw the opportunity to create something like a site checker. And I think I, I once measured the time between case text was was something like six years. It was six years before every other large vendor had come up with a a, a, a brief checking product. So I think it's it's partly you know, there's some level of magical creativity that spots, that understands technology enough to understand how technology can be a lever and so solve problems in a new way. And I would say the same thing with Intelligize. You know, the 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 fellow who, you know, he had been a corporate lawyer someplace in New York, and he came up with these amazing algorithms to help solve the problem of of going through no action letters. I mean, very specific, but also a deadly time waste for lawyers, you know? So I have seen great, great successes. Well, yeah, that's kind know, of what I was going to say too. I mean, like, I know like by lawyers for lawyers was all the rage for a while there, but I think it can't be just lawyers and it can't be just technologists or rarely can it be like, you need the lawyers that understand the lawyer problems because a lot of times pure technologists don't but also pure lawyers that aren't technologists, like the case text guys are, they're technologists too, you know? So they sort of can straddle both sides. You can have lawyers with a great idea, no idea of how to execute it. So you sort of, I, I think the, the perfect meld is having both of those aspects in the same product. And I cut you off, Steve, I'm sorry. No, 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 I was just gonna, I was just gonna <clears throat> mention fast case. Ed and Phil did exactly what you've described, Bob. I mean, they were sitting in their office working one night and they said, well, this sure sucks to have to do it this way. And from that, they, they spawned a huge company. But the other thing I was going to say to go back <clears throat> to the point, the problem with some of the younger lawyers that get into this, when they, when they have to market their product, they, they, they start meeting with IT people and they, they mistakenly believe that IT people are going to make, can make the decision. So when you look at their promotional material and their product descriptions, it's kind of geared toward IT. What they don't realize is the IT person who is often a kind of a nerdy person in the law firm then has to go up to the senior partner and say, look at this product. And out comes all this gibberish and the guy's partner's going, what? what are you talking about? You know, I don't, I don't understand it. And since there's a disconnect between the partner who makes the decision and the actual person that, came up with the product. I think that's a, I mean, I think that can be a real problem. And look, sometimes it doesn't matter how good your product is, right? I mean, you know, everyone, I, one thing I didn't see on the, on the gallery of flops was the Betamax. Everyone swears the Betamax was better than the VHS, but you know, VHS won. And you know, it's like that some, and, and with, the, with lawyers too, it's like, you know, there are lots of programs out there that are better than Microsoft office, you know, that, that they could use, but they're all wedded to Microsoft or not all of them. Some of them still use were perfect, but you know, like some some things are just you know you know like either either they're so ingrained or it, it's going to take a lot to get that kind of disruption that you know no matter what how good a product that you have and you know sometimes sometimes it's not going to make the impact that, that means it should, doesn't mean you shouldn't try but you know you, you also have to be be you have to be you know careful of the fact that okay look sometimes no matter how how great your efforts are how good how good your product is it, it just might not make the it just might not make the impact that you think it will. 
It may, it was in the Museum of Failure. I'm going to actually, I found a virtual edition of that online with a tech page. I'm just going to share that to everybody just for fun. So uh, it, it's funny because I, I just, as we were talking about this, I remembered that I wrote a story last year on the greatest, sort of the greatest flops in legal tech that I'm looking at, but I never published it. It's sitting in my blog. Oh, uh, and I originally wrote it that. for another <laughs> publication that uh, asked me that asked me to write it. And then when I wrote it, they said, well, we can't run that because those are advertisers of ours. So uh, <laughs> you can share it among uh, friends, Bob. <laughs> well, I'm going to publish it now. I'm going to publish it. I, uh, but but I mean, number one on my list was 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 Atrium. I mean, I, I think possibly that was one of the the, the biggest crashes and burns in, in the legal tech space ever. Uh, that was the the one with uh, Justin Kahn, the, the the Silicon Valley sort of wonderkind who had developed Twitch and sold it for a whole lot of money, and then decided that uh, uh, you know even though he had a bad experience with with some lawyers, so he was going to come in and introduce a, a platform that served solved all the problems of legal services delivery in the world, uh, and uh, happened to do basically a complete. Uh, repeat of Clearaspire, which had been a, a previous uh, failure in the, in the legal tech world. Uh, and, and it kind of punches all the buttons of not really understanding the legal market, not doing the market research to see what had happened before. Uh, and he made a, a big splash. He raised some big money for a while and then all of a sudden disappeared. I don't know what would be what would, what are some other what are what would be on your list of like the biggest flops of legal tech? I have to see who's on the call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult you know, anybody who's who's actually listening in. <laughs> um, we're an equal opportunity insulter here on this show. <laughs> well, I okay. I'll say something. A product which shall remain nameless um, did a lot of self promotion and. And it and it was not and went to the IT department to sell it and made all sorts of ridiculous claims about how good it was at solving research problems. And any if if there had been a librarian in the room, the conversation would have been very short. End of story. I think that's on my list too. <laughs> any other nominees? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't right. know this. Yeah. The, oh, I was just going to say the company involved in my thing is by no means a flop because it's one of the biggest companies in the world. But they did pitch me once on uh, they pitched me on, I think, 10 years ago, they pitched me on we're a couple years away from being able to map individual lawyers brains so you could get a license to that. And I was like, no, no, no you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you even talking about? Um, so that was, and they were like, oh, yeah, and you'd be able to get a license. That's like putting aside that I don't think you can do that. There's no way in hell any state regulate, regulatory oh, board or bar. Isn't Elon don't... Musk working on that? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he is. Well, somewhere he's doing that instead of making sure that his cars don't catch fire or. Well, they're not even starting fire. in the cold, Joe. Oh, oh really? Okay. I, yeah, I have a. Well, there's also making sure, so. make sure people don't people don't use sys on 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 on, on Twitter these days. Yeah, yeah. Where's my robot lawyer? I don't even remember that one. 
<laughs> Somebody mentioned that in the chat. No, word, some, some several several in the chat. I can't. Word perfect can't be a flop because people lawyers still lawyers in court still use that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, well, I mean, the, you know, the, I guess one of the ones that would classify as a, a flop that really became a flop didn't start out being a flop, and that's BlackBerry. I mean, it's you know, it was every lawyer had a BlackBerry for years and years and years and. And yet, despite that commanding lead in the marketplace, they, has they, anyone they seen that movie understand? yet? Yes, it's I missed it. Oh, no. oh is it? It's, it's on. It's like excellent. It's gonna yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a I'm good show. I'm only finally yeah. getting to the Theranos one, so I'm way behind on these movies. So. Same what? I I missed it all. Blackberry. <laughs> oh, the Blackberry there's movie. A, there's yeah. A, yeah. There's I, a but movie. I did see the Theranos okay. one. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good too. But they were yeah. just saying that someone was just saying in the chat. I, I mean, I missed who it was. I went by it, but that they're now basically reintroducing. Somebody released a thing that reintroduces like the click technology from BlackBerry for click, iPhone. Clicks. Oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah, it was. It's a. Have you seen it? I mean, it. You take your phone and it kind of comes. It makes it you know that much bigger. Longer. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and then you you can actually it's a keyboard. And you can actually type on it. I, I mean, still it's, miss my flip phone. <laughs> I just missed phones that actually didn't die in a couple hours. My old phones, phones used to last a week. Battery. I miss phones that would fit in your pocket. The bold, the bold thing that I saw today, uh, which is not necessarily legal but could have ramifications, since we're talking about Blackberries, um, Blackberries got replaced by the fact that we could have another device that did more things and what Blackberry did. Uh, I saw it. Anybody tracking this like rabbit? release uh apparently this is a company that's selling a new device that would like replace your phone or whatever um but the goal of it is it has an ai built in so that instead of navigating apps and stuff like that it's prepared to just take your natural language request and start doing it uh the theory being that the way of the future is you'd have a device that you could just be like play this song now uh answer this phone now yada yada or type it oh, or yeah. whatever. And I was like, that's interesting. I could see much like the Blackberry where you didn't think there was ever gonna be a way in which that wasn't gonna be the primary legal tool. I could see somebody else figuring out like, well, if we just do it this different way, then we can get around all that. I don't know if this is it, but I think there may be something to changing the concept of how the user interface works. Didn't they just sell oh, a ton, though? I mean, aren't they just like totally flying out the shelves? Yeah. And it yeah, just came I out. Yeah. Yeah, it just was like, I only read about it like earlier today. Yeah. Well, isn't that also, it's, I mean, well, this past, the, the, just this past week, the, uh, I don't know if anybody saw the Samsung presentation, but they're introducing a lot of AI features to their new Galaxy phone, including one that I thought was really pretty cool. It was a translation uh service so i can i can speak english into the phone and if whoever i'm talking to speaks spanish they will hear spanish on their end and you can do the same thing with texting which i thought i'm not sure i have a lot of use for it but i was pretty cool <laughs> yeah isn't that sort of the promise of of uh of sort of conversational ai and tech broadly is you know the idea that you're not going to be sitting there interfacing with your software by pressing buttons and, and dragging and dropping and whatever else, you're just going to be kind of talking to your software and saying what you want to get done and having it do it for you. But Bob, do you remember we were at a meeting 
at the Lexus headquarters, I think, in New York a couple of years ago, where West was talking about rolling out, you know, I guess it was conversational AI before that was a term. And they said they did testing and lawyers didn't like it and they stopped developing it. Oh, the, the Lexus thing. Yeah. yeah. Remember? They were going to have the, the uh, well, they were talking about chat bots, actually. They were talking right, about like yeah. a chat interface to Lexus. Yeah. Which, uh, seems so quaint right now but uh yeah i do remember that I, I and i've been thinking about that because they um because all of these new ai things are all just because it's the default they're all like designed as a chatbot kind of interface and i'm like it i guess they're banking on the fact that now with chat gpt and stuff weird lawyers are going to be used to that interface in their real lives but yeah, it seems like an unnatural way to do legal research to me because I'm old. Uh, but my position is like, that's not what, that, that's not a conversation that is a legal research conversation. And the UI should look more like what I think research should look like, but. Eh. Yeah. Uh, right. And is the, is the answer going to, going to spit out the flags how, how is it going to yeah. tell you your case is overturned you know <laughs> yeah like i mean that old that way back then the conversational thing it really was that it seemed janky for a lawyer to be like talking like to um a weird basically like a uh answer uh, like one of those uh automated phone trees uh to get things like how can i help you today it's like that's not how you do these things but now people seem more comfortable with it i don't know bring back uh bring back word slash within five slash I, in the same paragraph exclamation point I'm, I'm i'm already i actually like that sort of stuff you know what else came to mind remember remember the the microsoft dancing clip or something Clippy. what was that thing Clippy. the clippy you mean co-pilot <laughs> no, it was like a paper yes. clip that danced across your your screen. <laughs> oh, I know. Talking about Clippy with a vendor this morning when they were telling me about this new thing they're going to have on their program, and I said that sounds like Clippy. <laughs> I mean, Copilot, but, but, it's, but it's AI generated, so it's better. Every yeah. description I hear of Microsoft Copilot, I'm like, you mean Clippy? Uh, because that's what it all sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clippy might clippy. have been great. They just made it annoying. <laughs> Did right. anyone not turn it off? It was just like in your I face did. when you didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't. Eventually, they had different avatars for it, and I switched my avatar to something else. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah, you can change it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the comments, other people did different. it, too. But didn't, right, didn't so, Clippy just came with a product? They weren't going to charge you a bazillion dollar upgrade like they are for other things. Right. Oh, yeah. It was just part of it. Yeah. 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 So uh, in, in talking about products uh, that are likely to succeed or fail, uh, I'm, I'm I, for some reason, keep thinking about Vic, Victor's story this week uh, where the, talking about AI generated music mashups and uh, if somebody had said to me, if you're going to take an AI generated mashup of a Snoop Dogg rap with the Jungle Book song, The Bare Necessities, I would probably say that's not bound to be very successful. And yet. Oh, really? I think that sounds wildly successful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, see, that's why I'm not a music critic. Uh, but but uh, but overall, an interesting victory. You want to talk about the, the context for uh, what's going on there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically, it's what. Bob said it was like 
you know, uh, people are using AI, well, maybe musicians, music producers, you know, DJs, whatever, you know, and whatever they're, they're using, uh, I mean, you know, mashups are nothing new. I mean, they're like, like people, people have been mixing music together for a while. Like the, the big, the, the big example was like, uh, someone sampled like, um, the white album, Beatles white album with, um, like a danger mouse. Oh, no, the white album with, uh, Jay-Z's black album. Yeah. Jay-Z's black album. And, and, for- and yeah, so it's danger mouse, yeah. And then, yeah, so um, so but now it, it's a lot easier to do that, and you don't have to have like sophisticated equipment or you know, whatever. You can just and and you can you can do that with AI, and, and but there are all kinds of ways that you can like you know, you can you can impersonate people's voices. So like you know you get like you know Eminem reciting you know Shakespeare sonnets, or you have like you know you know like yeah like Snoop Dogg like like reciting like country lyrics or something, and then uh, or Disney lyrics or whatnot, and and you know they're fun they're 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 uh some of them even go viral and, and do and, and and get a lot of views and listens but the question is whether it's legal because you know obviously there's and, and this ties in the, into this the, the wider uh the wider controversy regarding ai and um you know the limits of fair use and parody and various other uh avenues that have tra- traditionally shielded you know uh, these kind of things um you know it's like if if, if ai creates the, if, if, if ai creates it is it is it copyrightable? If it's not created by a human, is it copyrightable? You know, if someone's using this kind of stuff to, to to then train the algorithm, is that plagiarism? Is that violating copyright? So there are all kinds of great there's all kinds of great issues to it, and you know there hasn't really been a whole lot of you know actual case law, um, probably because the technology is so new, but it'll probably come. And uh, I, I think the one saving grace is that like right now it's like there's not a lot of money in these mashups. Like there's not a lot of um, you know, I mean, I mean, like these artists aren't like aren't like selling them like and you know and 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 making a ton of money. They're just putting them on online and monetizing it that way. So, you know, record labels don't necessarily see a point to like challenge these people in court. But at some point, someone's going to figure out how to monetize it and figure out how to make money off it, and then then it'll it'll it'll, it'll go into the courts. But it, but it it, it kind of just shows sort of like what you know the limits of a of of like the limits of of existing IP law and how. You know, uh, AI is sort of you know, um, kind of kind of moving into some gray areas that aren't necessarily covered by the existing case law, and, and it'll be interesting to kind of see where it goes. You so know, I read I, this story this. Oh, I read this story this morning, and I thought it was great uh, and very interesting. And there there are a couple of experts quoted in there. There's like a law professor who's like, actually, the way AI works, this shouldn't be a problem at all. And then there was an expert who was like. Not only is this a problem, it's a problem before it even gets on the on the internet because of blah 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 blah. And I'm like, who would possibly say that? And it was the person from the RIAA who apparently <laughs> I, this will shock you. The RIAA thinks this is a problem. I mean, the RIAA thinks that the actual artists themselves singing the song are a problem. So I, of course they're mad about. It. I always like to point out that we wouldn't have half of our. English literature, if it weren't for for copyright violation, because all of Shakespeare, Shakespeare right. was sitting there but, cutting apart other people's plays so, and creating new characters from other people's plays. I mean, it's but, all derivative. Art is derivative. Who, who's who's the guy that? Um, oh, he works for maybe Vlex or somebody, but he Damien. he actually Damien sat down. Yeah, that's right. He, he actually that's sat really, down, and they yeah. they they took every conceivable combination of notes to make a melody. I think up to six, six, seven, ten notes, and there's a finite number, right? Because there's only 
and you know, like the alphabet, there's what twenty six letters or however many, but there's I don't know ten notes, eight notes, I think. So it's a finite way to combine these. And he actually got this grid of you know all the all the combinations, and there's not not many spaces left for a new melody to be created. I'm not sure exactly what all that means for copyright, but it was I mean, pretty fascinating discussion. Well, he's, and he's been trying to assemble every Schoenberg. Oh yeah, it's twelve, and Schoenberg would uh, would say that you could have to use all of them. That's a classical music joke. Anybody in uh, okay. audience? All right, fine. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but he's audience. literally been trying to go through and and and, and classify every potent, every possible mm -hmm. melody and copyright every one of those melodies, so that he can then put them out into the uh, into the public space, so that right. so that in theory no music could ever be copyrighted again. So if I understand that right, and if, if Damien's uh, in the audience or not, he, he can uh, correct me. I probably got that wrong, but he's done like TEDx talks on this and stuff. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's really like a fascinating a, concept. And it, I think his argument is, you know, because, because there's so such a limited number of ways you can create a melody. If you, if you apply copyright too strictly to it, I mean, right. there would never be anything new in music. Right. So yeah. Well, you can uh, argue the point, but yeah, there, just, is, there you know, is, well, and, and, and that's sort of the whole, I mean, that, that was one of the trends for a while. It's just like, you know, especially, I mean, it, it's different in like, you know, classical music or you know, even avant-garde music or whatnot, or if you consider that music, but like, um, but like for popular music, there really are like only like a certain, because like, cause you're not, you're not, you know, you're only going to use certain like major chords. You're not going to, I mean, if you have a minor chord, like there, there's still certain, you know, you're not going to mix them together. It's going to be like, you know, you, you have your major chords here, and then uh, and, and then if it's a, a sad song, you put your minor chords in, and, and it's just like, and then you know, you you're not going to do like any like complicated time signature or anything like that. So there's really, you know, only like a certain number of melodies that you can even have that will that would make a good song. And like I think, oh, <laughs> um, I think I think there was a you know for a while it's like like uh, well I mean like Taylor Swift had a song that that like she her 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 chord, her, her chord progression was like a little bit similar to I'm Too Sexy, but it was such a common melody. But because she didn't want to get sued, she like threw right side Fred like a um uh like like a writing credit, which I'm sure made them very happy that they could yeah. they could W two that year. But like um but uh but yeah, I mean you know especially for popular music, you know there will, there really are going to be only like a certain number of of combinations you can use and like and and you know if you're if you're if you're if you're associated with a certain style like 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 you've made that sort of like your like like Chuck Berry with the way like like his core with the way he would like you know structure or whatever if you play if you play like a similar style then you're probably you're probably getting a suit do you have something growing yeah, on your know, shoulder the famous, famous yeah case, uh, need so. an introduction joe <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah yeah um yeah uh oh, Francesca Hi, oh. Here. yeah Hello. uh yeah she um she's been a little sick this week so she can't oh. uh she can't be like put in the uh to relied upon to play like usual so i've got to like make sure she's <laughs> Not coughing. <laughs> Let's hope it's his yeah. baby. Somebody said in the audience. <laughs> I, I don't think bourbon is a, qualifies as a, a pediatric medication. By the way, Joe, <laughs> might might help the cough. <laughs> you know, my grandmother used to give me bourbon when I was sick when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, I was going to say I, our parents' yeah, generation did stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Hot lemonade hot and toddy. bourbon. Bourbon is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Bourbon on the gums to like deal with teething. Yeah. 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 
Um, by the way, I, I re on the topic of Damien Real, it's like this guy is like the ever ready bunny of uh, of the legal tech world. I, I mean, not only is he doing the whole music thing uh, and doing TEDx talks, but he's the one who's developing the whole Sally standards, yeah, that's right. uh, essentially almost single handedly. I mean, he, he's too modest to say that, but he's he's been the one who's really been doing the yeoman's share of the work on that. And he's got a day job. Uh, at uh, right. the Lex fast case it's a pretty amazing so, guy uh, and and he's a, a father and, and husband and uh, everything else and a musician uh as well he, he, he's crazy i don't know he gets all his all his time and energy and he's um, he's really one of the most gracious people i know i mean he's always yeah. open to chat and friendly and pleasant and yeah uh so uh Gene, uh, is, you mentioned earlier you had you had a kind of a couple of stories you highlighted this week, neither of which were yours, which was uh, right. okay. Uh, there was nothing right about this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, do you want to talk about one or either or both of those? Yeah. So I, I I came across this one story that talked about you know well it posed the question what's the best generative AI model for legal professionals and basically of course there's no answer to that. But the the author, and it was on uh, law.com, Reese, how do you say that? Dipsh oh, it's Reese Dipshin. Yeah, it's, yeah, that was my team. Yeah, yeah. So Stephanie's team. I should probably let Stephanie talk about uh, it. No, I, but it, it just goes me. through all the different ways <laughs> that the, the, the different strengths of the different models and how, you know, everybody sort of agrees that... Um, uh, GPT-4 is best for drafting, but you know, lots of lots of the large language models are good at summarization. And there's no there's no there's no overall consensus. And then it comes down to that they have to be adapted to specific use cases. And so I guess that's what brought my thinking. I mean, I thought it was a really interesting article. It was short, but it really went into the different kinds of trade-offs people are, are going to have to think about because GPT-4 is, is so popular, it's slower than other other platforms. And so you have to and you have to look at speed versus cost and how easy it is is it to modify. And so I just think for somebody who's looking for an introduction to the issues, if they're going to approach um a GDP product or large language model products in, in their firm, it's almost like a good checklist. And then it has like a link to another place where there's like an interactive chart of the different uh, models and what what they're good at and who they're produced by. So I just thought it was a really interesting little read. So I'll put that in the, oh, you already put it in. Uh, well, that's the infographic that you put in. I don't know if it's the full article. But yeah, I mean, I knew I had seen the infographic in the works and I knew Reese was working on the article, but until I you know read it before it went up and, you know, I mean, edit it, I didn't know the extent it went into it. I mean, it really is good. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that he got kind of to full, he got full range to pick the brain of Mike Bomarito, who is, in my opinion, one of the smartest people in the industry when it comes to the super techie stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so no, no, it was, it's, it's really good. I thought he did a fantastic job with it. And I think the other thing it reminds me of is like law firms are really going to be in a dilemma to to compete for talent. I mean, it's like, you know, our, our, the whole thing is our gener is generative AI going to take your jobs. Just managing generative AI is going to be a job. There's going to be so many new challenges coming out of this. For real. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think for the first time in our chat, we've had a comment, what a little pumpkin, uh, which I'm not sure which of us they're talking about, but uh, I appreciate it. Uh, there was a, also Gene. You also you had also highlighted uh, in 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 our little story log I was talking about before this uh, interview with uh, Oz Benamram, uh, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I the one part of it that that jumped out at me uh, was when he was talking about the you know the the idea that we're all talking about large language models, but he thinks that the most significant development in twenty twenty four will be the introduction of the not that large language models. <laughs> Uh, and I, I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of already hearing that in terms of, you know, uh, people starting to use reg and, and, and more uh, more uh, models where they're able to kind of focus on their own collections and, and content. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the really kind of key legal specific uh, applications of this technology are, I, I like that description, the, the, the not that large language models. Yeah, and he talks about the the ongoing uh, roles with or in the and importance of of knowledge management professionals because you know most law firms haven't even cleaned up their data yet. So you know you can't really you can't use your internal internal data until it's cleaner. You know, and and you can get you can uh, apply new technologies after you solve some more basic problems. So I think I think that's where knowledge management managers are really playing an important role in helping firms take the preliminary steps and get their their data and their documents ready for for you know large language models or smaller language models you mean ai hasn't killed km gene i thought that's yeah. what everyone was saying <laughs> not yet all right well uh joe does your daughter have anything she wants to say hi frankie yeah i don't know um no, she didn't. Now, now that I got dancing fruit going, oh, there you go. You made a sound. Um, the YouTube, it's like this. I think, I assume, like a almost AI generated. It's like little fruit that just jump around really slowly. Absolutely mesmerizing for the kiddo. Like, oh, it she's really does look. Like, I've looked at it. It looks like something that someone did on like an acid trip, but children love it. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what most baby things are, acid trip driven. You know, like Teletubbies, this, like everything that's ever been good for a baby is some weird, like slow acid trip issue. I'm going to show her 2001 <laughs> here in a minute. All right. Right before Maybe you don't, don't, don't let her get into like Blippy or like. Um, yeah. yeah it's, that's the worst. Okay. Right. Yeah, I need to get more of this intel from people who've been ahead of me. And put a little magic mushroom into her bottle. Mm, mm. Also an option. Do you want that? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else anybody wants to raise before we wrap it up for the week? If not, we will all be back here. Well, I don't know if we'll all be back here. Some of us will be back here next Friday with the uh, pre-legal week jitters at their peak. Uh, and uh, hope to see you all back then. Hope everybody has a good week. Till then. Thanks. Enjoy the snow. Bye.